<laughs> yep, excellent. Okay. So, and welcome to those who are listening to this later on YouTube or podcast. Um, so, I want to share an introduction and overview this morning for um, our sermon series for the next three months. Um, I'm going to be away for the next three months, but I'm going to do an intro and then over to um, another nine or ten people over the next uh, over the next three months. Yoi, uh, Teresa, Aaron, Annalisa, and I, as a team, sat down a few weeks ago just to ask God, God, where do you, where do you want us to focus now that we've we're coming out of the end of uh, the book of Isaiah, which is where the last two months were, and um, and where where now? And the overwhelming sense we had was that God really wants His people to be shaped, rooted in His love and shaped by the good news more than anything. The letter to the Ephesians, uh, a letter written by Paul to Christians in the first century AD, it's a, um, it's a letter unpacking the gospel. It unpacks the wonderful news of God's love and His mercy and new life available in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and all these facets of the, the gospel and how this good news shapes the life of a Christian what the gospel is and how it shapes us. Um, Ephesians, in a nutshell, and there should be a, uh, uh, yeah, this is from the Bible Project, guys. It's three chapters sharing the gospel, or as they put it, the gospel story. And, um, and then it's three more chapters basically saying, in light of this amazing good news, here's how we live changed lives, different lives. And it all hinges on this word right in the middle, Therefore, I was talking to John Whaley this week, who's going to kick us off in chapter 1 next Sunday, and he said to me, whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, you should ask what it's there for, right? And therefore is there for, it's, yeah, anyway, it's there because everything we do as followers of Jesus that Paul talks about in these chapters is a therefore from this it's because of the gospel. The gospel that he unpacks in the first half shapes everything else. So every effort we make, every way we live, it's a response to and an effect of the good news. Make sense? So this series will be called, Therefore, <laughs> Lives Shaped by the Gospel. And all of our 10 or so wonderful preachers are going to be sharing something about the gospel and how it shapes our lives from this letter over the next three months. To begin, I want to um, share some of the background of this letter, and then uh, Christine in a few minutes is going to read something from Acts chapter 20, which actually sets the scene. Um, the letter was uh, to the Ephesian church was most likely a circular letter, and what, what's meant by that is that it was probably written to be passed around to Christians in a region. In fact, the earliest uh, manuscripts start with simply the words, to God's holy people. It doesn't specify a particular church or city. Um, it doesn't say in the, in the earliest manuscripts to the Ephesians. It, it, Paul, though, the author, he would have intended that his friends in Ephesus, among others, would have received this, and it possibly had the greatest impact in that particular city, which is why later scripts have the words in there to the church in Ephesus, because it clearly went to them. Many years before he wrote the letter, Paul arrived in Ephesus. He spent time there. And uh, this Ephesus is modern-day West Turkey, uh, as we know it. And the Holy Spirit, when Paul arrived in this place, he began, the Holy Spirit began to move quite powerfully in, in miraculous ways, turning people to God as um, uh, Paul spoke day after day about Jesus in places like um, lecture halls and things. Uh, Jesus' name was becoming known. 
He was, and he was becoming known in supernatural ways. You can read about this in Acts chapter 19, for example. Uh, and as people became believers, as it changed how they lived. It shaped their lives. One part in chapter 19 of Acts says, Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. Now, that doesn't, doesn't just happen. That if you just ask somebody, oh, we would like you to take several million dollars worth of your stuff and burn it, it had to happen from an internal transformation that came about, and it was because the gospel wasn't just an internal belief that gave people who began to believe it and it was like a warm feeling inside. It dramatically impacted their day-to-day living. The next verse says this, So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. I don't know about you, but I believe that the gospel is actually very, very powerful. Simply the message that we hear over and over when we share communion and, and in preaching, and when we, when we, that message that Jesus died for our sins and can take us from separation from God to eternal life in his presence, that message does far more than just make us feel good. It, it's the power of God. The gospel is the power of God that brings salvation. It brings a transformation that is not just a ticket to heaven one day, but a a change in this life. And Paul saw this. And seeing the impact of the gospel in people's lives around Ephesus, he spends more time there than most places he visited. He spends three years there preaching, building up the church, equipping leaders. Uh, And then he's moved by the Spirit to move on um, after about three years. So, Christine, if you wouldn't uh, mind coming up and reading for us from Acts chapter 20, this is what um, Paul says to yeah, the leaders in Ephesus um, when he is about to move on to another place. So, and Christine's going to read to us from Acts chapter 20. Thanks. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. This is the word of the Lord. There you go. The task of testifying to the Lord's grace. 
or as the version on the screen said, the work of telling others the good news and the wonderful about the wonderful grace of God. Why did Paul think it was so important, like more important than anything else he could have done, to proclaim the gospel, to share the gospel, to, to tell the gospel? I think it was because it became abundantly clear to him in that place in particular that God's grace changes lives, has a substantial transformative impact on people. He himself was impacted dramatically when he experienced the grace of God on that road. We read earlier in Acts, but people, uh, he, he saw it also happen in others on a regular basis. People receiving the gift of grace and then, and then he saw their lives changed and good fruit flow from the impact of the gospel. And so Ephesians, the letter with the most practical and, and, and important advice on how to live, in a way that honors God and blesses people and fights evil and increases joy. And it's even got stuff in there about how to strengthen family and how to relate as husband and wife and kids and parents. Like practical, living, how to live kind of stuff. It's all there, you name it. It's all there in chapters 4 to 6. But it's actually an unpacking of the gospel impact. What our lives will look like when our hearts receive this message, is what Ephesians is about. Now, that, does that mean that we kind of we, we, we look at the bits in chapters 4 to 6 on you know, how to live, the practical stuff? You know, make sure you pursue, you make every effort to pursue unity. You know, husbands love your wives, don't get drunk. Does that mean that we would just see those magically happen if we love Jesus? No, it's, it's not. That's not the point. The whole point of the book, though, is that our lives, when they don't look like this yet, when they don't look like this is what the life of a Christian looks like, when they don't quite, when we don't see unity happen, when we don't see sacrificial love towards one another, when we don't see the kind of living Paul talks about, there's probably a root issue. That the gospel, the, good, the grace of God has not quite sunk in. Ephesians 3, Paul says, let your roots grow down deep into Christ's love. Now, what's, what's this about? Well, a year ago, about a year ago, I bought a palm tree. And um, I intended to hang on to it, not to throw it out the next day, but it was a sermon illustration for a particular sermon about a year ago. And um, it, I wanted to keep this as much for myself as a reminder of what that was about than anything else. The metaphor at the time was that seeds of faith, prayer, obedience to God, but particular seeds of the gospel, the living word of God planted in people's lives. These seeds take time to bud. I'm very grateful that I didn't have to grow the palm tree from a seed. That would have taken a while. But seeds eventually... Although it takes time, they do grow. And this tree over here is, a, for me, it's a reminder and it's evidence that something which was once small over time has grown into something very significant. But a seed also requires the right soil. And if I was to have grown it from, from a seed, it requires the right soil, adequate attention, adequate care over time. And eventually when it's a tree, it's going to require strong and deep roots if the branches or the leaves or the fruit are to continue growing. In fact, I wouldn't mind your help this week, Lisa, to um, increase the bags so the roots have a little bit further to spread. That might help the tree a bit. And this is a picture of what the gospel does in our 
lives. You might have seen a picture of like um, a little bit like what's on the screen. If the roots going down into the ground, some trees, that is a mirror image of the leaves and the branches on the surface. The deeper the roots go into God's love, the greater the reach of the tree and either the leaves for shade or the fruit that it bears, the deeper the roots. And so Paul writes to the Christians in and around Ephesus saying, the good news is... He's reconciled you to God. He's raised you from the dead. Your life is in Christ. You're a new creation. You're free from sin. You're part of his family. You're empowered by the Spirit who strengthens you. You have this promise. All of this, all of these facets of the gospel. Therefore, your lives will look like this. And if they don't look like this yet, by all means, follow the advice, but also do a root check. See that there's, there's constant links between, when you, as you go home, and I encourage you to go home and read this book. It's not a long read. There's constant links between the second half of Ephesians and the first half of Ephesians. Chapter 4, he urges them, pursue unity, make every effort for unity. But in chapter 1, he spoke about how God's bringing all things together in unity. In chapter 5, how to live as people of the light. But in chapter 3, how God's bringing everything into the light. There's all these links between the practical and the, and the, the rooted reality of God's love. Even in chapters 4 to 6, with this practical guidance on what to do, he regularly ties it back to the underlying reason and driver. For example, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Because Christ and his love for the church, that is the good news. So there's always a gospel grounding. And it's such a powerful message because uh, all the way through this letter of the Ephesians, there's, there's this reminder that nothing that we can do which is of spiritual significance and importance, nothing of that comes from our own strength. Nothing comes from our own effort. It's the gospel impact that makes a difference. It's, it's God's love sinking in more and more, and it's being rooted in his love more and more that really is going to bear good fruit and kingdom fruit. Oh boy, that's, that's mine, I think. <laughs> <laughs> if Paul's experience, though, in Ephesus, where he says um, uh, to go and to, to, to continue to proclaim the gospel, that's what really matters. And, and then Paul's letter to the Ephesians. If that's not enough to convince us that faithfulness isn't about doing, it's it's about being rooted in Christ's love. Then what about Jesus? And his words to the Ephesians. See, Paul went to Ephesus, and uh, as he left, he, 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 after having seen the transformative work of the gospel, he said, keep, keep proclaiming, and, and, and this was what was important. Well, I, this is what I've done. This was the main thing. And then, as years later, he's in prison, and he writes this letter to the, Ephesians, Christian, the Ephesian Christians, proclaim uh, the gospel, declare the, don't let others come and distort it, is part of what he says. But then years later, another apostle, John, receives a revelation from the risen Jesus. And uh, this is in the book of Revelation. And Jesus has a message for seven churches. One of those churches is the Christians in Ephesus. And by this point, the church in Ephesus has done really well. 
They have kept the message pure. They have done what Paul urged them to do in Acts 20 that we read before. And they have lived lives that honor God in the way Paul talks about in Ephesians 4 to 6. And you might say, oh, how do, you, how do you know this? Lord? How do you know that they went well? Well, Jesus says it in his revelation to John. Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Talking about Jesus himself. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles and are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. And this is what Paul urged them to do. Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the armor of God so that you can stand against the devil. And if I'm honest, I read this, these words of Jesus to the Ephesians and I'm like, man, I want to be like that. I want that to be my legacy. On my tombstone at the end of my life, I want it to say uh, this. God would be so pleased for me if this is my legacy. Luke Williams did good deeds, was hardworking, persevered for the Lord, didn't tolerate wickedness, kept the gospel message pure, endured hardships for Jesus' name, and did not grow weary. Boom. Right? What a legacy that would be. That's the way I feel, at least. And this was the Ephesians. They did what the letter said. They did what Paul asked when he left. Paul would have been so glad, you would think. But Jesus whose word I think holds even more weight than Paul's, says this, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now, when you study this passage... Um, and what I'm about to say here is not an opinion, it's what the, the foremost scholars and, and, and researchers of Ephesians um, say this really means. This, this idea of losing their first love, it's not about they didn't love each other. That wasn't an issue. It's not even about losing their love for Christ. They love Jesus, as do we. But the foremost uh, writer on, uh, scholar on Ephesians says this, they no longer express their former zealous love for Jesus by witnessing to him in the world. What does that mean? Well, Christ introduced himself as, to, to the Ephesians as walking among the lampstands. So their primary role was to shine the gospel. The first love of the Ephesians, the church in Ephesus, was loving the gospel gospel because of how it transformed life and sharing this gospel because it transformed lives this was the passion way back when paul came and said have you received the holy spirit and they're like huh what are you, what are you talking about holy spirit we haven't even heard there is a holy spirit and then spirit comes and lives are changed and god's love is proclaimed and and it's visibly manifest his god's love is manifest in remarkable ways and lives are transformed. And this is the simple passion they have. The grace of God proclaimed and the Holy Spirit doing the rest to transform people's lives. That's the first love that's being talked about in this passage. So how are we going with our first love? I'm not talking about Jesus. Of course we love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Do you love God? We love 
And he is our first love, of course. He loved us before we even knew him. But that passion to let the simple beauty of the good news of his love transform someone else's life because we can't just keep it to ourselves. That is what Jesus says, look, you've lost that to the Ephesians. My biggest, my biggest prayer for our church, especially in this season ahead, is that we would fall in love with the gospel. Not an intellectual concept. And hear me right here. We're not talking about a theological statement. <laughs> the gospel is far more than that. We're not talking about something that we can just grasp with our minds. In fact, Paul says, I pray you would have the ability to grasp that which is unfathomable. Because it's more than just something that's up here. And it's not even just about a personal relationship with God that warms our hearts. A life-transforming power is what the gospel is. That we see changing people's lives because it's changed our lives. And, you know, I do feel like, on a personal level, that this message of Jesus to the Ephesus church is something for me personally. That I have lost this first love over the years. I love Jesus I love ministry, I love the, the preaching of the word, I, like, I love guarding the truth in that way, uh, I, I love all of that. But if I'm honest, I don't always have that deep desire that the lost around me would be transformed by his love like I've been. And this was how I felt many years ago. This was that, that passion uh, when I first heard and responded to the gospel, as it may, may be in the case for you as well. But that first love has sort of drifted away a bit over time. And some of you have been asking me, Luke, what are you going to do on your time off? It's a, it's a good chunk of time you'll be away for. Spend it with my family, first of all. But then as much as anything, you know what? I just want to go back to this first love. I want to go back to this thing that got me into this gig in the first place. I want to rub shoulders with people who still think Jesus is a swear word and, and, and ask them if they, they might want to read the Bible with me because his word is powerful. I, I want to pray for my neighbours and have barbecues with them just to, to see if there's any opportunity that even just a little facet of this, this gospel could be something I might get a chance to share. I want to I wanna sit in a cafe or, or go for a walk around a park on a Saturday morning uh, with the primary purpose of, of, of just asking God how I might be able to bring his presence into someone's life in that place at, on that, at that time. You know, and, and this stuff is never comfortable, but this used to be, if I'm honest, this used to be how my heart would beat. This used to be that passion I would have to see others transformed by the gospel, like I have been, like you have been. But over the years, life, and if I'm honest, even ministry has gotten in the way of that. Just a bit, sometimes more than others. And I think Jesus is saying, repent and do what you did at first. So what about you? I just want to ask you three questions this morning as we finish. Is the gospel still amazing to you? Like, wow, oh my goodness, I can't hardly grasp how awesome this is. So much so that your, your greatest desire is that others around you are, find how incredible it is also. Second, is the gospel enough for you? Or do you still try to please God by doing stuff for him? 
Is it enough in the sense of the, the, the fact that he loves you and has forgiven you and it's only by faith that you're saved? Is that enough? Or do you still try to please God by works? And thirdly, has the gospel transformed you? We won't know how amazing it is and, and, and really, really believe it's enough if we haven't yet been transformed by it ourselves. My hope is that as you explore what a... Uh, as we together, although I won't be here for, for 12 weeks, but as we explore, as you explore in the coming 12 weeks what the gospel really looks like and how it shapes our lives, that you'll be gripped by the therefore. We live this way because the gospel is so profound. This is the shaping of our lives because of the good news. The gospel is so good. The gospel is enough. The gospel is the power of God under salvation. So, as the music team come up, if you guys can join me now. Um, you know, it's, it feels weird, if I'm honest, knowing that I won't be back in this room for the next three months. Um, uh, but there's nothing that I would rather leave you with as I step out of the pulpit and allow others to fill it for the next couple of months. Um, nothing I'd rather leave you with than just the gospel, what the good news really is. So, here it is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Not the whole thing, but just a summary. Every spiritual blessing, friends, in heaven belongs to us who are in Christ. You know, God loves and chose us for this blessing in heaven. And he chose us to adopt us into his family before he even made the world. Jesus died for you and I so we can be forgiven. Such is God's grace for us. In fact, he made mysteries previously unknown to generations and generations, known to us. And not only that, but he's showed us how he's restoring all things on heaven and earth back to how they were meant to be and giving us a foretaste of that heavenly kingdom to come, the Holy Spirit in us who guarantees this hope. But that's just chapter 1. Here's the thing, we were once dead in our transgressions and, and, and we were dead because of our sins. Although we didn't know it, we were actually deserving of God's wrath. But because of his great love, he made us alive in Christ. And not just alive, but he, he raised us with Christ and seated us with him in heaven that we would receive those blessings alongside him those heavenly blessings, and remembering that we weren't born into any of this by privilege. We weren't Jews. We weren't God's chosen people. We were outsiders who were let in. And on top of that, he's reconciling everyone, all people, to each other, no matter their background, into one great family. And, and this makes us not just God's family. This makes us citizens of a heavenly kingdom built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets and on Jesus himself, but better still, as his family and as these citizens were also like stones who who together build and make this temple that God himself dwells in. And here's what that means when you understand the temple and God's presence and holiness. You and I, me, you and I, we can actually approach God, the creator of all things, the almighty one, we can approach him with freedom and with confidence because he is now our loving heavenly father. And here's the best part. All of that, all of this good news, all of this privilege is yours, not through hard work 
or perfect obedience or doing the right thing. All of it is yours and mine through simple faith. So no one can boast about it. It's all by grace through faith that we are saved and have eternal life. Let's stand. Father, I thank you so much for the gospel. And as we sing about it now, Lord, may it sink into our hearts as deep as it's ever gone before. In Jesus' name.